Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. No. <laughs> My notes. Stop it. Things are going great already. It's on the live stream. <laughs> <laughs> I People are going to like see my notes happened. and see the jokes that I pre-write. It's, that's the most humiliating thing to, to stream live. Oh, that's <laughs> awful. You, you showed your whole joke ass. I showed the whole joke ass. You know, people have been thinking we're naturally funny for years, having no idea how much of this is pre-written. Adam, Adam sits uh, at his house with his writer's room. I sit at my house with my writer's room. We, yeah. we come up with tons and tons of jokes. And then we, you know, we step to the mic, we throw them all out. It's and, notoriously uh, a hostile workplace. It's like the Ellen show. It's right. It's awful. <laughs> but that's because we think the writers should come up with better jokes for us. We are terrible bosses. Yeah. So what we're going to do on the show today is open up a bunch of mail. This is one of our classic Code 47 mail calls. And as we've already alluded to, we are streaming it live. And if you'd like to see this stuff come out of the packages... Live on screen, follow the Greatest Trek Twitch account, which uh, still exists as of this recording. <laughs> yeah, it's twitch.tv slash greatest trick. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain size only. Adam, we have a bunch of mail here. I have a huge pile of packages next to me. I think... We're going to spread it across two different Marin Opens. And as everybody knows, we go small to big as we open things up. This is from Jackson Hill in Spring, Texas to Adam Pranica and Ben Harrison. And uh, it's just a letter. So I'm going to I'm gonna give it an open up. I'll always start with the letter. This looks like the, uh, the feet of a primate stamped onto this. Oh, yeah. And it says Jane Goodall Institute on the back. Let me see. Here we go. Hmm. Thursday, 25th of March, 2021. Dear Adam and Ben, longtime viewer and old, <laughs> who doesn't know how to work the Twitters and Twitches, but has sort of mastered Apple Podcasts and left you five stars, of course. I still struggle to get Max Fun bonus feed on my list, but that technical issue is not your problem. I figured it out last year and will no doubt manage again this year. Sorry, mind wanders. What I meant to say is, you boys are a delight and bring so much Trek joy into my life. You apparently have been getting some grief these past few weeks and months. But shake it off, you are tremendously entertaining young men whose work makes the world brighter. And that pizza was rightfully yours, Adam. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Love and hugs, Jackson Hill. Wow. Wow. What a nice thing. P.S. Jackson, my pronouns are she, her, and I am old enough to be your mother, so trust what I say. Oh, thanks, Jackson. <laughs> uh, PPS, sorry not to include a gift for you, but I haven't left the house in a year. <laughs> thanks for being my lockdown, buds. Yeah, Thank you, Jackson. I know the feeling. These are, in fact, the uh, the footstamps of chimpanzees, it looks like. You know, speaking of old enough to be our parents, Ben, do your, your parents recently uh, came for a visit. 
Are they are they still in town? They're not. They they headed home. They I thought that they were going to stick around a little longer, and they were like, "Hey, yeah, we actually uh, sold our car, and we're getting that electric car that we like made you f- you know feel stupid for advocating we get." <laughs> so they like they raced home. Uh-huh. On Wednesday, they sold their old car, and on Thursday, they bought a new electric car. How about that? And it's like almost exactly the same car, but just the electric version of it. Good job by them. Yeah, they did. A, they did a good thing. And you were like, I don't care what you need to hurry home to buy. Uh, you should hurry home. <laughs> was that was that your reaction? No, I love my mom and dad. I was yeah. really glad that they uh, bought that electric car. Did they watch the stream? No, I don't think that they know what Twitch is. But um, my parents told me that they watch this, and then I told them oh, never to tell me that ever again. <laughs> you know, they were trying to watch the uh, the Destroy the Falcon 2 colon Destroyer the Coliseum stream. Mm-hmm. I, or I guess my mom was trying to watch it, and my dad was, like, doing something to the internet and kept unplugging the router, and, and it was, like, a source of real conflict for them. Because <laughs> my wow. mom was really mad that she didn't get to watch it. Like the air traffic controller in Airplane. Just <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. wrong time to unplug the router. Yeah, I picked the wrong day to quit internet. That's great. <laughs> this next one is from Alistair from Northfield, Vermont. Dear Adam and Ben, hearing other a little bit embarrassed fans, mock track has been a bois. An emergency buoy. Your show first came out at a time I was having a hard time mental health-wise. While I have been and continue to do much better personally. I appreciate your continuing commitment to making dick and fart jokes about this semi-optimistic future, as it seems the world's collective mental health has been on the decline. Hmm. When it's safe, I hope to make it to a future live show. In the meantime, while I continue listening, maybe you'll convince me to finally watch Voyager. I've recently gotten back into making visual art. Please enjoy the enclosed token of my gratitude and illustration of Scotty and O'Brien I'm calling the Beam Team suffering since 1966. Wow. That's fun. I like that name. Thank you for your tongue-in-cheek compassion and awareness. You are fucking spectacular. But where is the Scotty drop? Wow. Live long and pro- prosper, Alistair. Here is the art. That's pretty great. The Beam Team in action. That's pretty good. It looks like it could be a tag. It looks like I could see it on a freeway overpass. It's got the bubbly letters. I mean that about the letters, not so much the caricatures. Yeah. I if if I saw this on the side of like a boxcar on a train going by, yeah. I would be like, that is the coolest shit I have ever seen somebody tag. That's fun. Consider vandalism, Alistair. Oh yeah. You got a future in vandalism. <laughs> All right, next package. This is from Dave E. in Sanford, North Carolina, to Ben and Adam. There's kind of a lot of paper here. There's a big a big sheaf of paper in a jewel case of some kind. Here is Dave's uh, letter. Hi, guys. As promised, your very own copy of Star Trek colon Klingon Honor Guard. Wow. Sorry about the printed PDF manual. I could not get a box copy of the game at a reasonable price, but I did want you to have all the backstory and character and weapon descriptions. This game was made in the era when you got beefy manuals with your game. Here's hoping you have a way to get it to run on your PC. Looking forward to watching you guys play it. PM me or drop me an email if you're interested in some behind-the-scenes stories like the 
contract fun that explains why we ended up going with Kern instead of Worf in the game, and how I ended up getting cast as Korek, leader of the Honor Guard at the last minute, and how the game designer, our two producers, and I got to tour the Deep Space Nine and Voyager sets at Paramount after the game was released. Enjoy! And thanks for the many, many hours of fun you've given us to the greatest generation and the greatest discovery. Kapla, Dave Ellis. Dave worked on Klingon Honor Guard and did a voice in the game. People ask me for production stories all the time. <laughs> I cannot remember the answers to their questions. They believe I had something to do with the release of this video game, but as far as I know, I've been working in air traffic control this entire time. Wow. Look at the printed out PDF of the Klingon Honor Guard game. I totally remember playing that game, and and in my memory, it was like Duke Nukem for Klingon or something. Like it was very, it was very run around from room to room slashing people. Were you terrified of Korek, the leader of the Honor Guard? Still am. Adam, it would be so fucking exciting to get cast as Klingons in a Star Trek video game. If you and I got to do voices for, like, I would throw out my ambition of getting, like, blown out an airlock to do voices for Klingons in a Star Trek video game. I would do voices for Klingons in a Star Trek video game only if I could wear loaf into the sound booth. <laughs> yeah, that's how you get into character. They have to give you the loaf. And then, like, the passage of time, it's just, like, peeling off of me. <laughs> just melting off of my face. So melty. Yeah. Yeah, this it gets hot two, in there. This is one of those two-disc jewel cases. I wonder if there's a second disc in here. Oh, shit, there totally is. Wow. I don't know there is. You know that's a two-disc set. You know that's a that's a computer game that came in the fat case. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, install disc and game disc. Wow. Mm. We got to find a computer that runs Windows 95, Adam, and play Klingon colon Honor Guard. We're a Mac house, man. How on earth are we going to find a Windows 95 machine? Unless we, we go to <laughs> any workplace in America. <laughs> we got to contact our guy at the, uh, at the Apple business team at the Sherman Oaks Galleria Apple oh, yeah. Store and say, hey, can you get us a Windows 95 box that can run Klingon colon Honor Guard? I bet they could make that happen. I just talked to that guy today. Uh, things, are, yeah. things are moving. Things are moving oh, apace. Boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm very excited. Um, this next package came in from Canada. It's from Craig Heinrich in Horny Pain, Ontario. Horny Pain, Ontario. <laughs> Thanks horny for giving pain. that a second read. Yeah, a third read too. That's yeah. Horny horny pain is uh God, takes me right back to college. <laughs> really? Our mutual buddy Chris Bowman comes from Burlington, Ontario, or as he calls it Borington Ontario. I wonder what they call horny pain Ontario if you're from there. Is it too late to make the Uxbridge Shimoda official P.O. box a, a horny pain address? <laughs> I think so. Dear Ben and Adam, greetings from America's hat. I have been a friend of DeSoto for some time now and enjoy the pod immensely. Enclosed are some TNG comics that I recently acquired the missing issues of. As a kid, I had number 48 and 49, and I finally found the missing parts of this story. Ever since you reviewed the episode where we see the Enterprise and Riker 
from an alternate universe where the Borg won, I have been thinking that it would be I would send these to you if I could ever complete the four issue set. Who knows what might make a good Greatest Discovery special episode. When putting this together to send my wife caught me in the act. She says it's the nerdiest thing I've ever done. Wow. <laughs> oh, no. Amazing. Craig got caught. You never want to get caught during. I mean, if you live in a town called Horny Pain, you want to happens all you want to keep your rep up as being horny and not nerdy. Yeah. Wow, these are beautiful covers on these comic books. Whoa. Got Rolarian in there. Got Eye Patch Riker. Looks like on the right, the Will Riker you'd see at a Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> that guy's on his third pitcher. B-Dub 3 Riker. He's there to watch all the college games. Starting to get a little fresh with the waitresses. (laughs) Yeah. The epic struggle begins. Welcome to the worst of both worlds. Yeah. (laughs) That rules so much. That is definitely what the title of J.K. Woodward's Mirror Universe (laughs) issue should be. (laughs) Cool. Thank you, Craig. Thanks, Craig. This one is from Jim M. in Melrose Ma to Adam Pranica and Ben Harrison. Melrose Ma is Massachusetts. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to double check that. It's a big it's a bigger box. We're starting to starting to get into the bigs. Got a letter here. Dear Ben and Adam, I am sending you this Star Trek colon Voyager writer's Bible because the Bible studies drop makes me laugh every time I hear it. Despite the official packaging, it appears to have been hastily laser printed by an intern at Paramount. I got it from some guy on eBay. Who knows what it contains? Also, I'm including a sampling of local crushable brews to entice you to come back to Boston whenever you go on tour with Greatest Gen Con 3... Colon, Star Trek Four, The Whales? <laughs> That's great. Shout out to my buddy Matt L., who introduced me to your fine program. Matt and I have been friends since the days when TNG Season 3 was first hitting the airwaves. Love the show. You guys have kept me laughing throughout the Corona apocalypse. Here's to many more years of Baroque onanism, Jim. <laughs> Wow. That was the, one of the funniest two words you've ever put together on the show were those two. <laughs> that still makes me laugh. I'm really excited about this show Bible because I uh, I was thinking about the how sad yeah. I was that Bible study hasn't been a Marin lately. Wow, look at that look thing. At that looks way better than the description. You said it was it was some admin printing out something on laser printer well, paper. That looks official. Here here's what's inside, Adam. It's a box. It's like a it's like a box with laser printer paper inside of it. Wow. And a certificate of limited editionness. It's like how a spy conceals a gun. Like the pages just carved into yeah. a gun shape. This is literally like a packet with a with That's a staple at the corner. Yeah. Wow. Uh, which of the Voyager characters are Peck's bad boy? I'm I'm betting Tom Paris, huh? This is the writers and directors guide first season version. That's great. I'm glad we finally have that. Yeah, it does seem like a real thing. Uh, we have some descriptions of the Voyager, the Mayquis. Man, this is great. Description of Chicote, your favorite character. Oh, yeah. Tear that page out and throw it in the trash. That's where that belongs. <laughs> Neelix and Kess are one heading here. That's interesting. 
Uh, wow. wow. I am Amazing. excited to do the Bible study again. Yeah, it's been One too of our long. Great too long. Yeah. I miss Boston, too. How excited are you to go back to Boston? So excited. We have some beers here. Hey. Oh, this is a this is a, a hard cider. This is I'm very excited about this. Oh, good. Yeah. A mass appeal hard cider, and uh, a whirlpool New England pale ale. Yeah, that's a that's hopefully a nice crushable pale ale for Adam. I don't want anything darker than pale in my beers <laughs> anymore. That's it. You've really turned away from the dark side. I have. I have completely. Okay, last box in the pile here, and this is a big one, Adam. I'm going to hold it up for, for people to see. Pretty heavy. Oh, it's, oh, man. it's fragile it, too, huh? It's heavy. It's fragile. It's got a strip of yellow tape around the outside that says Uxbridge Shimoda LLC. Yeah. This is from Daniel B. in East Greenville, PA. We got one from Ma and one from Pa. Was that East Greenville? Yeah. Is that near East Town? As in no, mayor of East Town? I don't know where anything is in, in Pa, other than... Uh, I don't either. Philly, Paoli, and, and Pittsburgh. Those are the places I've been in Pa. Yeah. Well, this is one of those... There's a there's packaging, and then there's just an interior box that I'm going to have to yeah. negotiate getting out. There you go. That's that's what keeps the box from smelling like feces. Yeah, and... and we should remind people that the Bill Tilly rule is in effect. Always. Anything you send to the P.O. box that is gross, we will forward in the mail to Bill Tilly's house. And right. Bill Tilly is the nicest guy in the entire world, so you'd really you'd really regret it if you sent something nasty to him. Yeah. Try to imagine Bill opening anything you send us. That's the rule. We don't want to do it. We don't. No, but that's the rule, and he agreed. Yeah. Actually, he didn't right. agree. We just told him that that's what was going to happen. That's a condition of his employment. Right. All right. What do we got here? Mantaway still works. Wow. Adam and Ben slash Ben and Adam. I wanted to send a thank you to the whole Uxbridge Shimoda family for helping me through tough times. I spent the early months of quarantine distilling whiskey, mostly alone in a small craft distillery in southeastern Pennsylvania. To cope with all the stress and loneliness, I was lucky to fall back on the comfort of my parasocially distant relationship with the expert Shimoda family of products, in addition to copious amounts of Canar, Klingon blood wine, and Coco Nonos. As a token of my gratitude, I'm sending a bu- couple of bottles of barrel-aged apple brandy and four-grain whiskey finished in used mezcal barrels called Scorpiones. Okay. From what I have gathered about your respective tastes, I think these spirits will be to your liking. Hopefully, when the show gets back on tour, we can get more hammered in Philly. Cheers from my house to yours, Dan B. P.S. The Scorpiones make a great Paloma or Margarita. P.P.S. This is my third attempt at sending this package. Apparently, FedEx will not deliver packages to a P.O. box. These bottles have crossed the country five times now. Whoa. <laughs> PPPS ends in row schismed That's a hell of a combination. That's a hell of a combination. That is amazing. Show show us those Johns. I'm gonna get these Johns out. 
No way. This is uh, it's keying out a little bit in the uh, in the visual here, but this is the apple brandy, uh, a beautiful a beautiful bottle from Mantaway Stillworks. I will never see a sip of that because it went to Ben first. Holy shit! No, there's there, there's two of them. There's there's okay. there's two there's two apple brandies. You'll get you'll get your sips. All right, Ben. Ben, the chat wants you to try some on the show. I think this needs to happen. Okay. Make it happen. Okay, fair enough. Take it to All the right. dome. This is like professionally packaged. There's a little like pull tab here. Those bottles have platinum delta status. They really do. Wow. Mm. Oh, oh, it's piss. It's piss. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's actually really delicious. Um <laughs> uh, Man, um, I think it's very telling that uh, that if it were piss, you'd still swallow it down. <laughs> yeah, I, I take after my boy Julian Bashir. Dirty, Man, dirty piss boy. This is uh, this is a delightful apple brandy. I'm uh, for sure going to be pouring some into a snifter later tonight as a nightcap. Wow, thanks a ton for sending us booze. Dan, these this is amazing. I'm sure you I'm sure you squandered a fortune on all the shipping costs, which is uh, something I'm no stranger to, having recently squandered a, a fortune trying to ship a bunch of old tour merch to our fulfillment center and sending it to a fulfillment center that no longer exists. Card Daddy's in the chat saying that he and Rob's get to play in the boxes that our booze comes in. <laughs> <laughs> Taking great umbrage with the idea that you and I get the bottles and they get the boxes. Yeah. But uh, I'm here I to was... tell you, Bill Tilly, when we go to Star Trek Las Vegas together, uh, you will you will receive yeah. the full benefit of the poolside cabana. Your money's no good at the hoof stand, you know? Yeah. Yeah, your hoofs are on us forever. Yeah. As well as right. anything in the cooler by the pool. Well, Adam, what do you say we get into the episode we came to talk about here today? It's Star Trek Voyager Season 2, Episode 2, Initiations. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes, I'm not turning around. <laughs> there is a rule that I thought that everyone on Star Trek had agreed to by now, uh-huh. which is no solo shuttle missions. <laughs> Yeah. And this is by far the stupidest reason for Chakotay to be alone in a shuttle ever. We are so far away from home. There are no conferences to go to. How are we going to get single officers into this kind of jeopardy? They were right not to put this conversation on screen because the idea of Chakotay asking Janeway for privacy. <laughs> no, more privacy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Even more privacy, Captain. I want to be in a shuttle, and I want to be far away from you. Speaking and- of shuttle Jeopardy, do you remember that episode where Jordy is like hanging out on the shuttle, and he's like telling the computer what kind of music to put on? I when think the, of it every day when the warbird decloaks in the yeah. view screen behind him. <laughs> yeah, that's the other side of the sun visor. Yeah, design Ben. I, exactly. I would. I would kill to have this episode like an alt opening of this episode of Chicote being like computer um spiritual music and it starts playing like choral music from a roman catholic church he goes no um 
more pan flute based. And then it's like that CD that everybody had a copy of in the 90s. And he's like mellower. And then it plays the, the pan flute music that he's listening to here. And then just the Kazon ship, you know, shows up right in front of him. Mr. Chicote. If you need privacy for your masturbations, I suggest you use the holodeck like Mr. Paris. <laughs> How is it possible that your Janeway is getting worse? Yeah, it's awful. It's awful, and I, I should retire my Janeway impression. It's so bad. <laughs> I like it. I mean, I, I don't think our impressions have ever been good. The thing that Chakotay is there to do all by himself and on a shuttle far from Voyager, is to do the Pakra, which celebrates the anniversary of his father's death and the lies of an advisor that never should have been hired on Star Trek. <laughs> Watching all of this go down is a couple of Kazans on a Kazan ship, and they're talking about... Who you call an Ogla? <laughs> you, pinecone head! <laughs> They discuss who is going to be sent to take care of this brazen violation of their territory. We should teach them the price of displaying their markings in our space. And they discuss sending Carr to do it. Carr's got to earn his name, Adam. That's right. And in this scene, I think we learn more about the Kazon than we ever have through this context. Yeah, this is definitely getting into the Kazon lore in a way that we never have. They seem like undomesticated Klingons. Right? Right. Yeah, they feel like what would happen if there wasn't a strong imperial structure within the Klingon Empire? Like if all the houses were just left to their own devices, kind yeah. of maybe what, what the different Kazon sects represent. Yeah, it's true. There's that. There's definitely a familiarity there. And like a slightly more insane concept of honor, if that's possible. Yeah, and it goes right on down to their ship design. Like it looks like a ship of chains. Just like any other Klingon ship, you know? It does, yeah. There's, they have, uh, they have the, the smoky interiors and a lot of the same clanging. Would you mind telling me how iron could rust in space without oxygen? Chicote's ceremony is interrupted by a couple of bangers dropped on him mm -hmm. by a Kazon shuttle. And it's shuttle-on-shuttle shuttle violence out here. Yeah. I feel like this Kazon shuttle is doing that thing of like picking a fight with a guy at a bar and then he stands up and is like two feet taller than right. it because yeah. Chakot like this is Chakotay's metier, like ship to ship dogfighting <laughs> is like what you do if you're a Mayquis. And <laughs> this shuttle fucks around and finds out. And it's a it's a very fun combat scene. Like the the strafing run that the ship goes on. Is good. They're they're FaceTiming each other during, which which is very fun. Right. And we we hear Carr's voice right away. It's the voice of Aaron Eisenberg, unmistakable. Why have you fired on me? You are Kazon Ogla Space Federation. I was not aware of that. Unmistakable. And man, like there are moments in this episode where it seems like maybe Carr is going to link up with the Voyager crew and come with. And I was like, man, what would that have been like if Aaron Eisenberg had had recurring roles on both current Star Trek shows? That's a lot of loaf for one <laughs> actor to carry week to week. Could you imagine? Yeah. 
Yeah, he accidentally shows up in the wrong loaf. You know, he's like, car is just inexplicably a Ferengi one day. Why is the Kazon vessel so weak compared to the Starfleet shuttle? I thought there was a weapons equivalence here, but it seems like Chakotay throughout this scene is like, don't make me do it, man. I swear if I shoot you, it's going to be bad. And meanwhile, Kara is just shooting and shooting and shooting. I think that the case they're trying to make is that Carr sucks at fighting and that Chakotay is quite good at it, hmm. much more so than that the shuttle is like a way better combat vessel right. than the Kazon ship. But it's not, that's not really well established. That's just headcanon. Right. But I, I, I really liked the, the sequence. Like I loved seeing the shuttle do the loop-de-loop, which is like such an unnecessary maneuver in space. <laughs> well, that that's actually related to my question, which is like Chakotay out-strategizes Carr here in a way that suggests an equivalence in their firepower that like he needs to rely yeah. on that to survive in a way that he doesn't. Yeah. It's just flashy. It's just flashy, but he takes out the engines on the Kazon shuttle and winds up having to order the computer to beam the inhabitant of the shuttle aboard because the the ship is going critical and he he doesn't have good a good sense that there's like an escape pod or any willingness by the occupant to save himself. So Chakotay beams him over just before the shuttle explodes and unfortunately in the firefight Chakotay's shuttle is damaged to the extent that uh he can't reach back out to the Voyager. Yeah, it it, it <laughs> It damaged a uh, script tension building amount of equipment on the, right. <laughs> on the shuttle. <laughs> yeah, perfect. And back on the Voyager, uh, we find an equivalent amount of tension between Neelix and Captain Janeway. Captain Janeway, well-practiced at the art of damning with faint praise. Because <laughs> Neelix is in there to be like, I'm really feeling like a fifth wheel around here. Like, you could be using me a whole lot more. You're making significant contributions, Neelix. Captain Janeway's like, you're annoying and your food is bad. That's. <laughs> you think you're going to carry an A story of an episode? Y- you got one a couple eps ago. The faintest praise in the episode is is what she says about the food. And uh, like, I don't know, I was like editing an episode recently and I was like, are we be do- being too hard on Neelix's food? Is that like actually a runner on the show or is that just me and Adam like speculating that it sucks? And the it's look like, no. on Janeway's face is, is confirmation. All the confirmation <laughs> yeah. we need. He's He's specifically taken umbrage with the idea of not being invited to a target practice session. Yeah. And uh, he just wants to be invited to all the things. He doesn't have to go. I get yeah. this about him. I think yeah. in many ways I'm like this. I, I just want to be invited. It's not precisely FOMO. It's it's like f- fear of missing access. Right. Know? Right. On the bridge, uh, the ship is ready to shove off, but they haven't received word from Chakotay for six hours, which seems <laughs> it seems like it's a surprise to everyone involved that... That much time has passed without hearing from him. It seems like it should have been someone's job to keep track of the one shuttle with yeah. their XO. Seems like maybe five hours ago would have been when to tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> I love the captain asking somebody, have you tried hailing him? Like she is doing like basic computer IT repair guy questions. Like, have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again? <laughs> it seems like all shuttles should be a, a little bit like Blaz. Prepare a buoy and launch it when ready. 
Warning buoys. An emergency buoy. A warning buoy. Because when you go out there alone, if you're Chakotay, it seems like there should be a little a little sonar ping. Mm. And if that sonar ping goes away, you know your guy's in trouble. But would the ping attract unwanted attention also? You know? Right. Yeah. Like, when you're trying to communicate with your dead dad, you you don't wanna you don't wanna attract that kind of trouble. Right. And it you know, like interrupts your pan flute music it's like it's like arrhythmic with the rhythm of the music and it's like ah it's just clashing it's really hard for Chakotay to jack off out there I feel like the writers of this episode should have been like wait a second the stuff that we're putting in like the cultural traditions that we're putting on the character of Chakotay feel as made up as the cultural traditions we're inventing for the Kazon right now and maybe there's something to that. Maybe we should double check the credentials of this dude that we are taking <laughs> at his word. I mean, I don't want to jump too far to the end, but I think the most criminal act that this episode does doesn't even have to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> with respect to Chicote. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, so Carr, the uh, Aaron Eisenberg character kind of comes to on the floor of the shuttle and he's been put in wrist restraints. Yeah, why were those in the bindle, Chakotay? <laughs> What's that about? You're going to do some kinky shit with your dead dad? What the hell? <laughs> Though I am far from the bones of my father, I am chained up to this radiator. <laughs> <laughs> Though I am far from the bones of my father, I do have a halfy. <laughs> Uh, it's in this moment that the main Kazon ship approaches and Chakotay hails them to say mm-hmm. that he's got a 13-year-old boy on board. Maybe that's not the, the first thing that you should tell a stranger <laughs> <laughs> when you're meeting them. Yeah. Also, that doesn't mean anything. Like, years? What are you talking about, Chakotay? Now that we know about Kess, like <laughs> let's let's not make any assumptions about how fast people age in this in this part of the galaxy. On Voyager, age ain't nothing but a number. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and like honestly, Chicote is treated like he should be for for saying something like that. It's radio silence, and then here comes the tractor beam. Yeah, he gets uh, he gets sucked up into this. Much bigger Kazon ship. These Kazon ships are scary. Like they are, yeah. they are big and and powerful seeming. Like I don't love the design of the shuttle, but the 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 Kazon mothership does seem really menacing. Like it's got, it's got kind of star destroyer amounts of menacing. <laughs> what you know? What's menacing about it to me is that like most friendly ships are wide and flat. Yeah. You know, Starfleet ships look like that, but the but the Kazon ships are vertical and they yeah. and they cut like like hulls of of ocean going ships. And there's something in space that makes that look bad. And they're also always shot from below, so they mm-hmm. look really imposing. Right. Right. They also look rusty. I think there's <laughs> the coloration of them is yeah. threatening as well in an effective way. Rust. They look how they sound, which is chainy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, Chicote and Carr get kind of 
brought on board and 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 thrown into like not quite a brig like this isn't a force field containment unit but yeah they're both in trouble and and Chicote like can't quite figure out why Carr is being subjected to the same kind of punishment that he is it's a really confusing scene because they go into that dialogue pattern of like what happened to Carr and Chicote's like well his are you talking about the shuttle? Because the shuttle blew up. Car's right here. And Car's like, I'm Car, and my shuttle blew up. My car is just fine. That's me. Car got a bit of a fender bender when the bangers got dropped on the shuttle, but... <laughs> yeah, this is a scene where we meet Haliz. Uh, he's one of the dudes that was discussing whether Car was ready to to get his name or not, and... Please is uh, almost almost can't look Carr in the eye. He's like so ashamed of what has gone down here. Carr's entire body and mood changes because rather than being relieved to be returned to his ship, he's terrified. He yeah. believes that his own people are more of a threat to him than anyone else, and especially Chakotay. Yeah, he wanted Chakotay to kill him before they got beamed aboard. Just stay calm. We're gonna get you out of here. Which. Of course, Chakotay couldn't do because he's fully reverted to Starfleet at this point. Like, there isn't an ounce of Maquis in him anymore. This explanation that Carr tries to give Haliz kind of falls on deaf ears, and then he pivots to wanting to talk to Razik. Razik seems to be like the head honcho around here, and that's who Chakotay wants to talk to as well. It's one of these problems where Carr didn't get his honor out of the deal, and that's kind of a single point of failure situation for a Kazon. Like if you fuck up your your thing where you're supposed to go get the honor and, and earn your name, you're done. It's like you got you get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. They appear to be in the museum of finding out also because Carr <laughs> They really do. Carr goes from exhibit to exhibit showing him all of the many trinkets of people who have found out over the years. And it's tough because like you can tell that he's really kind of fallen out of favor because there's a security guard with like a like a windbreaker and a neck roll in the corner. And Card keeps like kind of stepping past the velvet ropes to show like this bracelet or this jacket. And the security guard keeps going like, please, sir, behind the behind the rope, behind the rope, sir. I like this bit of trivia that your name changes as you accumulate battle experience. Yeah. That's the whole narrative that he tells is like mm -hmm. how this relic of a battle affected the name of the person that beat the person whose relic it was before. I will never earn my name in life or in death. And I have you to thank for that. We cut back to Voyager where they arrive at the last known coordinates of, of Chakotay's shuttle and they find debris from a shuttle battle, but it's inconclusive about whether or not this debris belongs to the shuttle they're looking for. But as they're discussing this, Tuvok picks up the ion trail of a mystery ship. Yeah. And uh, boy, Paris just gets kicked right in the balls for hypothesizing <laughs> that it's the ship that destroyed Chakotay's shuttle. Uh, but they follow <laughs> it anyway. It didn't yeah. seem like a bad idea by Tom Paris. All right, Captain, I'm just not going to speak up any longer. How about that? Do you do you want the ideas of your crew people? 
Am I making any sense here? I thought it was pretty fucked up the way Tuvok got on that site-to-site communicator that he occasionally uses and was like, Mr. Paris, you are a fucking moron. I mean, it's very telling that at the very end of the scene, like Paris sits back down and he tries very hard not to cry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. Tough. I moment. mean, it's a really nice performance by uh, Robert Duncan McNeil. You can see that he's really suppressing something. Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad. He doesn't have to take that. It's fucked up. It's a very toxic work environment emerging on the bridge. And I think that what it starts to indicate to me is that when Chicote is not there, these people start to go for each other's throats. He's kind of like a moderating influence on the way they behave. We cut directly to the holodeck where Paris is at Chandrine's and just beating to death one of the people in there with a pool cue. Yeah. Like, yeah, just that, savage. That older man that is uh, the the pool shark of the bar is uh, just, like, spitting teeth out all over the pool table. Yeah. yeah. The, the most fucked up part was when he took the eight ball and he said, scratch this, and, and crushed the guy's skull in. Yeah, and he used that weird bridge stick, like with the metal piece <laughs> oh, at yeah, the end. Yeah. yeah. That's going to hurt. Yeah. It's fucked up. Tom Paris has kind of a rage problem. It's too bad they don't have a Counselor Troy aboard. If you can't take it here, then you might think about a transport ship. There's a lot less pressure there. Back on the Kazon ship, Razik has told Carr that he forgives him. And this seems like the biggest threat of all. Car, car takes this like a death sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, forgiveness, not a nice word in, in the Kazon language. No. And Car keeps saying like, the fault here is not mine. It's it's this Federation guy. Like he is playing by like a totally different set of rules. He used technology we don't have and a moral code that we don't have to undermine my ability to earn my name. And Rasik gives him like a really scary kiss on the mouth. Yeah, I did not like that. I know it was you, Fredo. Aaron Eisenberg was such a small guy. And the guy that they cast for Rasik is, is, I don't know if he's like huge, but the way they shoot him, like they're shooting on this like very long lens that compresses the distance between them. And also from like a really low angle in this kiss. So Rasik seems just like, huge and imposing in the same way that the Kazon ship does when they shoot it from below. Aaron Eisenberg might have been small in stature, but he's kind of jacked in this episode. He really is. He like In a way that like the rule is you never want to fight a person who has cauliflower ear. You never <laughs> want to fight a short jacked person cuz they've been fighting a long time. Mhm. Yeah. That that center of gravity being as low as it is. Yeah. As threatening as the conversation seems to be between Razik and Carr, don't forget about Chakotay here, who has yeah. laid back in the cut until the moment the scene ends where it's decided that the execution is tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I love Chakotay just trying to like reason with these people. He's like, I, hey man, I didn't realize I was in your territory and if I'd known, I wouldn't have ever come here. And they're like, too bad. Our territory changes all the time and we never post updates to the internet. And he's like, so what are we supposed to do? It seems like Chakotay might be John Rambo in First Blood. He's just trying to get through hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if Chakotay is in First Blood, Teasel just tries to execute him in the first scene. 
You're going to need one thing, Razik, if you want to go up against Chakotay. A good supply of extra pine cones, I guess. I've got to get that platinum, get that roll metal argument. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. 
Back on Voyager, BLT is studying the debris. I don't know why this is taking so long. It seems like every time we we scan debris in Star Trek, we get a fairly instantaneous read on... Yeah, this is or is not Federation debris. Right, but we're in like the eighth hour of the study here, and BLT is able to tell Captain Janeway that it is a Kazon ship's debris that they have on board. I laughed at this scene because I thought it was... Very funny the way she kind of sells this as like, I have come to this conclusion in this instant. Uh, great timing. She's like holding the light over the the thing. Like, presumably she's been doing this for a long time. Like she has been like extremely carefully studying this thing. <laughs> or she was fucking around and not doing anything. And she heard the captain was on her way down. And she was like, uh, everybody look busy. And... <laughs> started to scan this thing and was like, this definitely is not a Federation vessel. I think we know which is which because when the camera pans down to the station and the computer screen, the computer screen has a question at the top that that says, is the debris sample? And then on one line, it says orange. And then on the next line, it, it says silver slash gray. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as as soon as BLT pushes the button for orange, uh, yeah. the computer says it's Kazon debris. It's it's one of the simplest heuristics in metallurgy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's coffee in that rust. Back on the Kazon ship, uh, the Kazon kids are on board. Go on a field trip to the Chakotay Zoo and see a real live human there. There was a really intense moment when Razik came aboard and and first met Haliz as his first officer. Razik said, "I've never been comfortable with having children aboard starships." And Haliz <laughs> was like, "I'm sure we can find some really fucked up shit to subject them to. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's going to be fine." <laughs> We'll um, have them murder aliens or something. I don't know. It'll be it'll be good. I really like this scene because it really plays with your expectations. You think Chakotay is, as the only human they've ever seen, going to make the case for being the gentle, unkillable soul that he wants to portray himself as. I'm a gentle man. But he is very unconvincing. All of these kids want to kill him. <laughs> All of I these do. kids have watched Star Trek Voyager up until this point <laughs> <laughs> and know exactly what to do with the Chakotay character. They are also being given an object lesson with Carr, who has sort of stopped being Kazon at this point. It's explained that Carr will never earn his name because of the failure to kill Chakotay in space combat. And they all, like, these kids all reach for the gun when Razik offers it to them. They want to have the honor of being the ones to kill Chakotay and or Carr. <laughs> and uh, he's like, nice try, kids, but today is not your name day. I'm actually going to give this gun to Chakotay, of all people. He's giving the gun to the hostage. I'm not supposed to, but I really like Razik as a character. And I think part of it comes from Patrick Kilpatrick's performance. He speaks yeah. with the gentle intensity of a cult leader. Yeah. And there's something so ominous about that that coiled snake-ness mm -hmm. to him. Yeah. It's big fun. Razik Raniri is uh, <laughs> yeah. his full name. <laughs> yeah. The thing that is so interesting about the Kazon is how much they cannot imagine a worldview outside of their own. Mm -hmm. Like. This comes back over and over again with Carr and with Razik and Holly's like, 
Chakotay has a, a little bit of diplomacy game and keeps trying to be like, this is not my perspective on this. And they're like, okay, but now you have to kill Carr so that he can die and we, you know, and doesn't have to live with all the shame that has accrued to him because of you. And Chakotay is like, okay, thanks for the gun, dude. It's now you are my hostage time. Yeah. And they're like, what the fuck? What's going on here? We never anticipated that anyone would do something like this when we gave them a gun when they were our prisoner. I was surprised just how early on in the episode the escape happens. Yeah. Because Chakotay is like, come with me if you want to live to Carr. <laughs> and then Carr kicks Razik in the shins and then takes a phaser for himself. Yeah. And then they escape in a shuttle, like they use a stitch of dialogue to cover over what happens during this elliptical edit because we cut to the shuttle (laughs) and it's Chakotay's shuttle. Chakotay's shuttle. And, and it's very, like, I think that this, this moment really makes the case for Carr being worthy of whatever it is that his people want in him. Like he he thinks outside the box. He like double crossing like his own people and 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 escaping with a prisoner. Yeah, but like that's kind of the game with them, right? Like mm. like it's not the same like extremely finite standard of honor that the Klingons have, but it yeah. it has a lot in common with that. And Carr's ability to think outside the box in this moment and be like, yeah, I'm grabbing a gun and I'm going with this guy because he's my only shot at anything is very authentic to a Kazan who is a smart, you know? Yeah. I mean, at this point in the episode, it just remains to be seen about, you know, who's who's prisoner, which is a tension I wanted more of as the episode wore on. What we get instead is a Chakotay that doesn't want to return fire after being fired upon by the main ship because he It's a teachable rather... moment, Adam. He turns to Carr and he says, listen, I don't want to kill anybody today, and therefore I shall not, even though my life is in danger. He's the worst. <laughs> I don't get this at all. And it's not fun either. Return fire, Chakotay. You fucking cuck. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, they kind of bug out to an M-class moon that is nearby... This moon is called Terok, which I feel like if you're going to have Aaron Eisenberg in the episode, you can't call anything Terok something. Agreed. Yeah. There should have been somebody checking the math on these things. Just be like, no, it can't be called Terok. Call it a different space name. The space battle does not match with the dialogue in this scene because the shuttle's maneuverability isn't taking advantage of the Kazon's non-maneuverability the way that Carr is describing because the Kazon ship is hitting every shot it's taking. What they should have been doing is X-winging around the Death Star that is the Kazon ship. Save the loop shot for now. Yeah. That's what they should have done. That's what they should have done. Instead, they did not do that. And the shuttle is shot to shit. I liked seeing the back of it all, uh, all molten. Yeah. And they have to emergency beam down to the surface of this moon. We get just the briefest of interstitial scenes on the Voyager where they pick up more debris, beam it aboard, and then at that point, they definitely know it's from Chakotay's shuttle. Yeah, this one is is much easier for Torres to figure out because it's got like the Federation logo on it. (laughs) (laughs) They basically just beam aboard the bindle, and then that's it. (laughs) And then she's like, 
Captain, I realized that I took a lot longer to come to the conclusion I came to with the earlier debris because now that I look at it, it's got Kazon logos all over it. And right. I, like, I should have done the math. <laughs> we wouldn't have put Kazon logos all over our, our shuttlecraft. Duh. My mistake. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Really fun take here when Chakotay and Carl wake up on the Vasquez rocks because Chakotay wakes up holding a phaser in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> Morale is pretty low already at this point. Car and him really get into it. And yeah. uh, their fight is kind of interrupted because... From jump, they have found themselves in kind of a training area where there are hidden weapons systems throughout, and Carr knows this place pretty well because he was there recently. This is where the Kazan Ogla practice their kata, and it's it's rigged. Like, it's there's, there's guns everywhere, and it's hot as hell. Carr has kind of become Chakotay's only chance because he, he knows his way around. He's down by law. You want to know how I know that they only had one take for this scene, Ben? Hmm. Because there's a fly and a fly sound in the take, so they don't get another one. What? And if you want to live to become that wrinkled old man, you're going to have to do what I say. I always kind of love that, though, when there's like the natural world invades a production like this. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think you got to not use the fly sound and get another take. They've got to be layering that fly sound in though, right? Like that's they are. Not, that's they not are. practical. They're doing it in order to forgive the visual. Like they need to match it up. Yeah. You think about the way production works now and you could very easily use Adobe After Effects to get rid of that fly. And you might even, but yeah. I, th I think it's kind of great that it's in there. All right. You convinced me. The fly is the best part of this episode. Fly is cool. Yeah. They have a McLaughlin group. Issue one. Back on board the Voyager. And the opening presentation is by Doc Holliday, who's down in Six Bay, where they have beamed all of the debris they've found. Yeah, but the Doc hasn't found any blood or hair in it. So inconclusive <laughs> are his findings. This doesn't seem like something that you need Doc Holliday to determine. Like, just scan it for fucking organic compounds. Right. It's from this lack of evidence that the crew has put together a hypothesis that Chakotay has beamed from their crippled shuttle to the moon, which is booby-trapped all to hell. I was like screaming at my TV at this moment <laughs> because I was like, we're having a meeting about going to this moon? Like, we found the debris in yeah. orbit of this moon. We, saw, moon we saw where the shuttle was relative to the moon when it got destroyed, so we know that the moon is right fucking there. We it's an M-class moon. Just go to the moon. That's the first and last step. Then all of this dialogue is happening via voiceover in Tom Paris's head, who is just like grabbing the end of the desk, knowing that he can't say anything for fear of the ball kicking machine. It's very funny scene because Tom Paris is sitting in the seat that the captain is usually in. Yeah. He's in that end of the table below the window seat. Yeah. And he gets left in command and is probably just like, Finally, yeah, some fucking geez. sanity can be brought to bear on this problem. Finally, the captain has crawled out of my ass for an episode. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, that's the plan. Janeway and Tuvok are going to go to the surface with Kess for some reason, leaving a very enthusiastic Neelix on the ship in case any Kazon ships approach topside. 
If there's going to be set tripping with Kazan, he wants to be there for it. Paris is like, are you sure? I mean, Neelix could really provide some needed morale boosting on the surface, should you need it. I'll see to it you're invited next time. Down on the planet, Chakotay and Kara have found some Star Trek caves to hang out in. It's a good place to hunker down, I guess, because it's not as hot and shitty as the exterior on this planet. What kind of training planet is this if they're not booby-trapping the caves, too? Yeah, It seems to me they didn't do a very thorough job of the boobies. Did you see the like pile of glowing rocks in this scene? I did. Was that the same idea as in uh, Star Trek VI colon the Undiscovered Country when they make the like rocks campfire on yeah. the surface of Rurapente? I bet that was it. Yeah. I wish I, I anytime you're gonna make some rocks glow for warmth, I wanna see it. I mean, another moment that calls back that scene from from Star Trek Six is when Carr says, uh I can't believe Razak kissed me. And then Chakotay <laughs> says, must have been his lifelong ambition. <laughs> yeah. Chakotay has left Carr armed and uh, he's like setting his, his tricorder up as a homing signal. And Carr is like, uh, instead of calling your people here, maybe I should just waste you right now. <laughs> yeah. Because like the thing I need to do is prove that I'm willing and able to kill you. And I have a gun and you're just standing there like an oaf. Or, as Adam would put it, like a chump. I'm going to go in on Chakotay again. Like, I'm going to... Chakotay better fucking get used to this, this episode, because (laughs) he talks about, like, in an effort to humanize himself... Why the very name is racist. ...to Carr. He talks about cherishing his name and the uniform. What? You don't give a shit about that uniform, Chakotay. Give me a break. What are you even talking about? You're rooting for clothes when you get right down to it. I found this hard to believe. I mean, like, Chakotay was a commander in Starfleet before he became a Maquis, but he became a Maquis, crucially. He did. Absolutely. And up until very recently, felt very strongly about that choice. Do you think that Chakotay and Calvin Hudson ever hung out at, like, a Maquis camp? Calvin Hudson's so much more fucking cool than Chakotay. I I don't believe it for a second. God, if Calvin Hudson was the fucking first officer on this show. (sighs) Oof. That would be amazing. That would be incredible. Yeah. Yeah, this explanation by Chakotay doesn't make any sense at all unless you believe that Chakotay is legitimately fearful for his life in this moment. And there's nothing about this attitude from him that conveys that feeling whatsoever and i think you can fix it if it were that way if chakotay was scared of being killed here he'd say anything to save his life up to and including how much he loves the starfleet uniform he's wearing but it just rings hollow as it is right here i think the thing i wanted was for chakotay to be like chess moves ahead kind of vibes yeah with car like anytime Carr raised a gun, Chicote saying, I disabled that weapon two scenes ago or something like that. Because the point of Carr is that he is like an eager upstart that is trying to, you know, bathe himself in glory as his people define it by whatever action he is taking with Chicote. And he's tempted by this 
idea of like I could just get away from all of those pressures by going with Chakotay, which is mm-hmm. an interesting tension to put in a character. Mm-hmm. But if Chakotay was holding all the cards all the time, and any time Carr tried to like pull some shit. Instead of it being like a, you and I are very much alike, your culture and my culture have similar definitions of honor and your name and my uniform are very equivalent. If it was, he was just like, no, you little fucking idiot. I fucking thought way ahead of this and didn't allow you to, to have any power over me because I'm smart and you're dumb. That would have been a much more satisfying way for these scenes to resolve. I'm really of two minds about this, because on the one hand, like, I just want Chakotay to be better. I want him to be more interesting. I want him to be more charismatic. You want him to take his his badge and lower it like a full inch on his chest. The easiest comp is also the one that's the most unfair, because I want him to be a little more Riker about things. Like, Riker is charismatic and lethal, and Chakotay is neither. And I just want to feel something in either of those categories during these scenes and there's just nothing there and it's not i'm not laying this on robert beltran's feet i think this is the way the character's written i think he's just got nowhere to go i think you're right the scenes in the cave with chicote and car are hard to enjoy because the car character has motivations we can totally understand at this point and chicote is being dumb you're saying that my name and your uniform mean the same thing but you're wrong. What makes the Chakotay experience so much less palatable is the scene that follows. Because up on Voyager, they pick up a Kazon ship and Tom Paris FaceTimes Razik and Razik sees right through Paris's repair excuse. And it's Neelix that becomes the alpha of the scene in a way that I wanted Chakotay to be down on the surface. Like if you scrape a little bit of what Neelix is doing in this scene onto Chakotay's plate, I think this is a far more interesting A and B story combination here. And what an interesting like way to depict Starfleet interacting with aliens that they're unaccustomed to. Like what if they're just better than these guys? Like yeah. what if they are better chess players? Yeah, the way that Neelix vaults over Paris's shoulders and calls Razik on his bullshit is a kind of confidence I did not recognize from that character. And it's another surprising turn for Neelix in a way that I'm enjoying. Neelix's stock rising, Chakotay's staying in the penny stock yeah. <laughs> area. Razik just hangs up on them, which I think is very fun. <laughs> Chakotay tries to pitch Car on like, hey, come with me. And Car's like, no fucking way. Yeah. That's not that's not my bag. I don't want to wear uniforms. And we also learn a little bit more about the Kazon. Like they were kind of the subservient species on a planet with another intelligent species and rose up and took over. And then like a lot of post-colonial societies kind of fell into factionalism that was like really unproductive and, and tragic. And, mm-hmm. and it makes you think about the Kazon in a different way. Like it's kind of heartbreaking to think about what they've been through as a species. Yeah. And Carr has been really orphaned in a way here. Like the idea that there are 18 Kazon sex and none of them will accept Carr if he were to show up on their doorstep. Yeah. He'd get all 18 of his fingers cut off. I know. Bummer. That would only leave like three or four fingers, right? <laughs> yeah. Of course, it's locked in. What? Listen to me very carefully because I'm on the 
time to say this once. This big dogging that Neelix has pulled on the FaceTime has resulted in Razik and Haliz and a few other Kazan beaming down to the surface of Terok and meeting up with Janeway and Tuvok and Kess and saying like, hey, we're here to help. We're going to we're going to help you find your guy and get you guys out of here. Were you momentarily confused about who these Kazan were on the surface? I know contextually we were supposed to recognize them as Rezik and Haliz, but in the in the bright light of day, yeah. I was confused initially about who they were. I thought that they were like new Kazan for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, until we get the close up of Rezik, which is like four or five shots into this. Yeah. I was like, who the fuck are these guys? And like it, given all the context of like talking about different sects, mm-hmm. I believed that they could be be a different sect, you know. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great tension injection into the episode. The idea that the Kazan offered to escort the Starfleets to where they they believe Chakotay to be. Yeah. And and the Starfleets being a little bit uh paranoid about being on a strange planet that's full of weapon systems and like are they being led yeah. where they hope they're being led? Like nothing about them is trustworthy up until now. You just don't know. Some fun fan service when Janeway asks Razik, just how many Echo Papa 607s are there on this planet? Your Janeway's gotten so much better than mine. I just don't even <laughs> want to try. It sucks. They uh, find their missing crewmen in the cave. It's a bit of a standoff, Adam. Yeah. And before they arrive, Chakotay does that thing. He's like, you know, Carr, I got a great idea. Like, you can get your name for killing me. Yeah. And what's great about being a Starfleet is like you could kill me right here on a, on the planet surface and a couple minutes later they'll just wake me up in Six Bay. And this is like the perfect moment for them to have punched through the whatever is like preventing communications on the planet. Mm-hmm. Chakotay says like prepare for Code White. So so we now know Code Blue and Code White are part of the color coding situation on Starfleet ships. I confused it with the previous time I heard about Code White, which was when the Enterprise tried to beam up Commander Riker from Risa before he was ready to leave. (laughs) My genetic material may be hard to get a lock on, Enterprise. It is everywhere in this room. (laughs) You're going to want to set the annular confinement to be a pretty big circle. And so, like, the episode suggests at this point that's what's going to happen. When we come to the cave with the POV of the away team, I'm expecting a dead Chakotay yeah. and a car standing over him. But that's not Crowing what we get at all. over his dead body. Yeah. Instead, Carr kind of pulls a switcheroo and kills Razik. Yeah. I was genuinely surprised by this. And then takes a new name in the scene. He's like, that guy's dead. Here's what my new name is. Field promotion for Haliz. What are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, it's great for Haliz. Haliz loves this shit. Yeah. I feel like the thing about it is that it undercuts the entire honor system of the Kazon, or at least this sect of the Kazon, because there's no fucking way you just kill the head of a Klingon house and then you are the head of the Klingon house or can like announce who is the head now, you know? That's no way to run a house or a starship. Right. And I believe it. I believe it in this moment, but it also makes, it makes the Kazon feel like a much more chaotic adversary than the, than the Klingons. Like the Klingons 
are a predictable adversary in a way that the Kazon are not. They're looking out for number one in all times and in all places, and you never know what that might lead to. Right. This moment is kind of left unfinished because uh, who is now known as Jal Cardain tells Chakotay and company, don't come around here no more. And then they scram. So the Aaron Eisenberg character alive and left to go on their way. Yeah. The button on the episode is Chakotay in his quarters, safely aboard the ship doing his ceremony with a, I guess, replacement medicine bundle. And uh, makes you wonder oh, yeah. why, why he, he get the bird wing. Why couldn't he be doing it on board uh, the first time? Is he never going to leave to do a ceremony now? I think that you cannot risk leaving to do the ceremony anymore. After after this week's episode, that's just an intolerable risk. They lost a shuttle on this mission. A shuttle is a finite resource yeah. aboard too, right? I, I wonder about that because like, I could see why gel packs and torpedoes are not replicatable, but it seems like shuttles should be something that you can replicate. Yeah, it would seem to be that way, but I don't know. I don't know either. Anyways, did you like this episode? Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Do it. No. (laughs) No, I did not. I don't believe an A story should be in Chakotay's hands. And I didn't believe that before this episode, and I especially don't believe it now because the character development that they gave Chakotay was bad. I liked him more before this episode. Wow. I liked the Kazon less before this episode, and I thought they, they became a much more interesting species in this episode. But I I agree. This is this was a tough one, man. I I, I think this is like, my least favorite Voyager episode that we've seen. Was this one? It was it was hard to stay interested in it. It's not any of the actors' fault. I lay this at the feet of of the people responsible for the story and yeah. and the people responsible for for sketching out Chakotay, especially. Like I keep I keep ringing the Will Riker bell, but Will Riker was capable of mercy. Yet yeah. he would still make you find out if you fucked around. And there's nothing about the Chicote character that indicates that he's anything besides merciful. How was he as a as a Maquis? He must have been the worst Maquis. <laughs> right? Yeah. There was no lady killer in him. There was no trombone enthusiast. It's it's like there's nothing about him that reads as mercenary anymore. Yeah. In almost he, a sociopathic kind of way. Like if he could so easily be a Maquis and now so easily become a Starfleet, then so, then so easily who just is, be like not even a Starfleet, but like the Starfleet rule book walking around in a uniform. Oh no, you don't. Regulations specifically state that's where my power comes from. There's no character there for him. It's just yeah. job. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's something to mine as a as a character. Like, is he is he dangerous in that way? Interesting take. I I don't know the answer to that. Um, I mean, I doubt it. The the show seems incapable of making him interesting in any way at all. But I'm I'm trying to project interest onto an uninteresting character. That's <laughs> that's how desperate I am. Well, Adam, do you think you could find a way to project some interest onto our priority one inbox? Oh, you know I could. I've opened okay. up the priority one bindle and I've I've laid all the <laughs> things out onto the floor, Ben. 
Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we've got a few Priority One messages here, and the first one is of a promotional nature, and it goes like this. Calling all friends of DeSoto, if you or someone you know has an interest in Star Trek and psychotherapy, please consider taking a voyage with us. Starship Therapies. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is this is already funnier than anything we've ever done. <laughs> Starship Therapies: colon, using therapeutic fan fiction to rewrite your life is a new book co-written by two licensed psychotherapists that explores the ways in which narratives and play inform the shape of our lives. Find out more about the USS Hood's Book of the Month for 12 months running. Please consider purchasing a copy for yourself or a friend. Look, I want to make it clear that I was not laughing at the authors of Starship Therapize. I think I'm just delighted by that choice and title. Yeah, <laughs> the choice and title is great. Um, <laughs> I have uh, made no secret of the fact that I have really benefited a lot in my life from psychotherapy and I'm also currently in treatment for PTSD and I think that uh, thinking about like the origins of your stuff, the stuff that you deal with is really worth doing and uh, this sounds like a really like like weird enough to say a fun way to do it. Yeah, you know? no kidding. I endorse. So uh, consider buying a copy of Starship Therapies using therapeutic fan fiction to rewrite your life from your local bookseller. This is in bookstores, Adam. In the stores. It's on Penguin, Adam. It's on Penguin Random House. That's incredible. I love this. I do too. I, I'm buying a copy as we speak. You you, you start the, the next priority one message. I'm, hey. I'm checking out. I'm checking out at bookshop.org with a copy of Starship Therapies. Another priority one message about a book where the message info does not include the author names. <laughs> ben, you want to give those authors a shout? Sure. It's by uh, Larissa A. Garski, LMFT, and Justine Mastin, LMFT. That's licensed mental and family therapist, I believe. That's great. Hey, authors out there who want to do a P1, don't be too proud to share your name, all right? Yeah. Share that name. Ben, that's our how, second... That's how books are often indexed in stores, <laughs> by, by author name. Yeah. That's what the Dewey Decimal System is all about. Yeah. Ben, our second priority one message is from Snow Spicy Rubber Ball Angel. It is to Florida Sunnyvale 9-11 Sunshine. <laughs> Which is just a lot of different words mingled together and in a sort of context. Yeah. The message goes like this. Happy 39th birthday. Hopefully we survive 2020 and the world isn't the darkest timeline anymore. Living with you has been the happiest I have ever been, despite trading icy Minnesota for tainty Florida. Hopefully we can travel again in 2021 and see live TGG in places like we did in Philly wow. and Denver. Dang. Ob obligatory bosom binturong. Love you. Wow. No earlier than June 1st, 2021, please. Hey, we, we nailed it. We actually have a P1 arriving on the date 
that they would like it to arrive on. I hope to be out on tour again with you too. Uh, definitely want to go back to Philly and Denver. Less yeah. so tainty Florida. <laughs> I just saw an old buddy from from Kissimmee, Florida, and uh, he said, "Come, come play a show in Orlando." And I said, uh, "No, too tainty. I'm sorry, I can't do it." I mean, how do you even pick a hotel in Orlando to stay in? Right, exactly. It's literally all hotels. <laughs> Our final P1 of the show, Adam, is from Nick Youngblood, and it's to Ben and Adam and or Stephen Farmer. goes like this. In 2017, a friend told me about a Trek podcast by two guys with a film background. I'd never listened to a podcast, but decided to give it a try. 12 episodes in, I realized TGG was not the show he meant. (laughs) Now, I still don't know which show he meant and don't really care if I ever find out. FODs forever. P.S. Why was the fun Uxbridge song so divisive? I don't know which... what's, What's the fun Uxbridge song? Oh, I think maybe the first ice cream truck music we used, which was the West Coast ice cream truck. Oh, yeah. We kind of went the back Mr. and forth on music. Yeah. 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 yeah you think... can look that up. I like the idea, and I know this isn't Nick Youngblood's point of this P1, but of someone trying out Greatest Gen going, this isn't for me, but sticking around for the friends, like becoming a friend of DeSoto just by osmosis. Oh, I thought that the uh, yeah, I thought I thought that his point was that uh, that there there is some other Star Trek podcast out there that is claiming to be by people who have some film industry reps. Yeah, I mean, I think we're both thinking the same thing: is that Nick Youngblood got off the train uh, somewhere else at a different show stop, uh, but still claims FOD status. No, no, I think I think I think doesn't care about whatever that other show is. All right. That's, that's what I'm taking away from it. Well, I don't care about what that other show is either. I, I, I'm just surprised to learn that somebody tried to, to replicate the, the magic sauce that is The Greatest Generation. Hey, you fuck around and try to put together a Star Trek podcast <laughs> with a couple of hosts with a film background, and you'll find out. Yeah, we're coming for you, unnamed other podcast. Yeah, you saw what we did to Mission Log. Yeah. Punching down is our new thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to punch up, but punching up can suck my fucking cock because now all I'm doing is punching down. <laughs> if folks would like to finance our new our new quest to punch down on other Star Trek podcasts, they can head to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron and get themselves a priority one message. Adam and Ben are fighting again with other Star Trek podcasts. <laughs> you know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying, I don't like friends, and I don't like you. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda in this episode? Drunk Shimoda! There wasn't anyone for me that seemed like they were having the most fun. This, Like, tonally, the episode felt pretty dark and hopeless. Yeah. In a lot of ways. But the character I couldn't take my eyes off of was Razik. Like, he seemed to be, of all the characters, the chaos agent of the group. Yeah. I mean, he's the one trying to teach Kara a lesson, both 
granting him mercy and offering a mercy killing, offering to demonstrate the execution of a human being in front of a bunch of kids. (laughs) His capabilities seem uh, fairly diverse. Yeah, yeah. And in that way, don't really know what to expect from him, much like a uh, drunk Shimoda himself. So wow. I think for lack of another good candidate, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make Razik my drunk Shimoda. What about you? Well, that really insults my selection of a candidate because it's not Razik, it's Carr. Mm. But I think that it's for kind of similar reasons. Like as the, as the chaos agent, Carr is the one that is supposed to shoot Chakotay, has an easy out and takes takes the hard path, takes the surprise kill of Razik as a much more interesting end to this episode. Like, I think that this is not a strong episode, but everything Carr does is bring interest to it. And I think that's because Aaron Eisenberg is a really interesting actor and because Carr as a character makes really interesting choices. He's like a true believer in this system that like doesn't make any sense. Like the more you think about the way these people behave, the less sense it makes. But that's like so many power systems, you know? Carr's character embodies a sensibility that I'm sure too many Americans would find familiar, which is it is more difficult not to shoot someone. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. So Carr is my drunk Shimoda. You know, a nice surprising Aaron Eisenberg performance here. I thought with the end of DS9, that was going to be the end of the Aaron Eisenberg experience for us, but nice to see him again. Mm -hmm. Well, Adam, why don't you head over to gach.biz slash game, where we keep the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker. I'm going to tell you about our next episode we'll be reviewing, which is season two, episode three of Star Trek Voyager. It's called Projections. If Chakotay's name is in this summary, I'm... I'm just going to riot. The ship's holographic doctor experiences a world where illusion and reality. Chakotay. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> the actual end of that sentence is where illusion and reality collide. <laughs> I like your pronunciation. It's very exotic. <laughs> Adam, where is our runabout in the game? 79. The 79 wow. is where we are. Two squares ahead is a caught in the nebula. No notes square. Fuck. That's the only thing that we can hit with the die that's in my hand. Okay. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. I'm going to give it a roll. Roll that bone. Chula! <laughs> Did I win? Hardly. Ben, I've also rolled a one. Wow. Put this on square 80. Two ones in a row by us. No kidding. It's Chekhov's Riker out there, <laughs> hanging out dead ahead. So uh, next episode's going to be a regular old episode for you and me, the best kind. Okay. Uh, and what I'm hoping will be a Chakotay-free episode. You know, um, sometimes you just need a break from a person. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about, Ben? No. Could really use a break from Chakotay right now. I don't know what that's like, but uh, <laughs> sounds like you do. You know, one type of person I never I never need a break from are the Friends of DeSoto. Yeah. They gather in so many places online. Like friends of DeSoto be gathering. <laughs> uh, 
If you went over to the Discord at DrunkShimoda.com, you'd find many, many, many of them there. Uh, they're also on the Facebook page. They're also on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. You know who runs the Twitter and Instagram feeds for Uxbridge Shimoda. It's Bill Tilly. He's at BillTilly1973. Uh, our official Twitter and Instagram handles are at GreatestTrek. And so much fun can be had on the socials with other friends of DeSoto. This is true. We got to thank our buddy Adam Ragusia, who makes the original theme music for the program. He is, of course, now a big star on YouTube. Search Adam Ragusia. Learn how to cook. Adam Ragusia, of course, working in the tradition of Dark Materia, who made the Picard song. Our original theme music. Unclear what type of cook Dark Materia is, but, uh, boy. Have to be pretty great. Probably technically proficient. Yeah, I don't know if if Dark Materia is uh, planting and growing tomatoes the way the goose is. Yeah. Well, Adam, we got to uh, thank everybody that supports our show at maximumfun.org/slash/join, and everyone that leaves a nice review on Apple Podcasts. With that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager. And an episode of The Greatest Generation, Voyager, where illusion and reality, Chicote. Damn it. Maximumfun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.